Welcome to the Therapist Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda Barker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm here with Sarah Feld. Hello. Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm pretty new to Ellie. I started in May. I've been working with kids with emotional, social, and behavioral disorders since, I don't know, a long time in a bunch of different ways. Um, And I am all about attachment. And that's what we're talking about today. Whoa! When I asked around and said, okay, I want to talk about attachment. Who should I talk to? Your name came up. And so I'm so happy that you're here to join us. Yeah. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got interested or started in the work with kids and attachment? Sure. Um, What happened was, you know, I've worked in a bunch of different settings. I've been a residential counselor um, in a program. I've worked in schools. I've worked in day treatment programs. And one thing that I noticed is that the kids who were the most successful were the ones that were able to have positive, joyful experiences with other adults. Mm -hmm. That's what really made the difference. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, and and sorry, just to like take a step back, you're sure. also a clinical social worker. Yes. Graduate social worker. Yes. I am working mm-hmm. towards that C. Um, for the new folks out there, it's quite a process. It is. <laughs> um, get on it, take that test, track those hours. Mm-hmm. For it's, sure. I just got my C last year. So Yay! I get it. It is a process. And then you're like, I'm home free. I'm good. Get me credentialed, but correct. Do you work in community based or outpatient at Ellie? So I work in outpatient now, okay. but I was in a community based setting as actually a school um, based therapist oh. with, an, with another organization awesome. for two years prior. How did you like that? I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was an adrenaline rush. <laughs> always something exciting. Yeah. Always something new. Um, a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. A lot of serious stuff. Um, but we kept it light yeah. as much as possible. So how is working in like an outpatient setting different? How does it feel now? It's very resourced, mm-hmm. which is sure. nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's enough supplies t- to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, and parents come in with this can-do attitude. Interesting. Which is really, really like nice. Like they're more motivated or something else? I think it's more that there are fewer barriers oh, to them um, participating in mm-hmm. their children's care, mm-hmm. which means that they're in a better position to attach. Sure. Because, you know, everybody's getting their basic needs met. Everybody's yeah. got food on the table, less housing, mm-hmm. insecurity. Not that that's not true for some outpatient clinics. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that the one that I work at. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let's dive straight into attachment. What is let's do this? What is attachment? Oh my goodness. I have been thinking about how to answer this question all day. <laughs> and here is what I've come up with. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. gonna throw a bunch of different buzzwords okay. at you. Okay. It's attunement. Mm-hmm. It's being in sync. You know, I'm here to talk about mostly like caregiver and kid, mm-hmm. right? I'm the kid one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's being in sync with your child, um, can't really um, sending out those vibes mm-hmm. of love and care and I'm a safe place. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge you. And having the child feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
It's a sense of safety, a felt sense of safety. It's an experience within the body between two people. Mm-hmm. I love that's such a good that's such a good explanation. I like it. Thank you. Why is that important for caregivers and kids? Well, research, you know, the people in in white coats <laughs> in the tiny rooms in the back of the University of Minnesota <laughs> and other universities around the world have found that that's the predictor of a successful happy life for human beings. You know, the people with secure attachments um, or rather not disorganized attachments, mm-hmm. they do better at work. They do better in interpersonal relationships. They have fewer health problems. Just overall, a higher quality of life. Mm-hmm. So you threw out a couple of different attachment styles. Mm-hmm. So can you like name and give some explanation to like what I'm putting you on the Ooh, spot right now? No, like what the different attachment styles are? Absolutely. Um, so we've got anxious attachment, um, which are kids who are afraid that their parents are going to leave them. Mm-hmm. And the way, well, actually, that's true for all of the insecure ones. Um, but the way that it, they express that is by being very clingy. Mm. Um, then we've got the avoidant. So these are the ones that kind of withdraw. I I don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so they're putting those walls up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we've got the disorganized, which are people whose bodies can't decide how they want to not attach. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got the secure, who can give and receive love um, with fewer challenges. So what what makes someone have like a— a secure attachment versus a disorganized attachment versus insecure and anxious. Like, how how does that happen? Are we born with these attachment styles? I would say no. Um, well, actually, I'm going to put a caveat to okay. that. Okay. I am very much, I very much believe in intergenerational trauma. Mm. And I think the, the big thing that we, a lot of therapists don't want to talk about who work with kids is that, especially the, the the younger ones, mm-hmm. um, is it so much about what baggage and what the emotional capacity is of the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and so, you know, we talk about we really want those parents to also be in therapy. Oh, my goodness, if only. Well, mm-hmm. they need to be included in your therapy mm-hmm. with the kiddo because it's their emotional juice that's going to make that difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, though. No, it, it does. So, like, the what a parent is able to give Correct. affects the attachment style that they have with their child and their their child's future attachment style. That's right. Yeah. A lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And so, like, what—how does someone become—let's just, like, break them down. How does someone form an anxious attachment style? Someone would form an anxious attachment style if their caregiver is there sometimes. And when I say there, I don't just mean present in body. Mm -hmm. I mean attuned with their kids. So Mm -hmm. able to sense what their child's emotional needs are and be able to respond to them in a way that works for that kid. Because there's no one way to parent and there's no one way that a kiddo is going to feel safe. Mm-hmm. There's no magic potion. It really is a special sauce for each family. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are parents who have that magic some of the time, and then it disappears. Mm-hmm. So then the child is 
not sure. Like they, they're like, oh, maybe sometimes I'll get it. Maybe sometimes I won't. And so that's causing me to be more clingy. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so then what about disorganized? Disorganized usually involves other factors. So we're talking here the sad stuff. You know, we've got a parent with mental illness. We've got domestic violence in the home. It's really a child who is traumatized and who is scared. Hmm. And it's that fear, you know, in grad school, I'm sure you guys are hearing a lot about the fight and flight response. Mm -hmm. It's adding that into the mix. Okay. So then we're getting into the territory of like relational trauma mm -hmm. and CPTSD. Yes, I said it. It's a real thing, mm -hmm. people. Um, and that's how eventually you get into the personality disorders. And it's, you know, sure. it's an unfortunate track. Mm -hmm. What about, okay, insecure, insecure, disorganized. Did we talk about insecure? I think we might have. I think we missed avoidant, but the answer oh, really isn't yeah. that interesting. Wait a second, wait a second. Did I throw one in there that I'm... I don't know. Wait, so there's secure. Insecure. There's insecure. Insecure, like anxious. Anxious, same yeah. thing. Okay. Insecure, anxious, and okay. then there's insecure, avoidant. Okay, so yeah. what is avoidant? Avoidant is a parent that is present physically, mm -hmm. but m isn't there emotionally. Okay, what does that look like? Emotional neglect, mm -hmm. just that lack mm -hmm. of attunement. And so it leads kids to try to protect themselves. Okay. I see. I, see. I know I'm not going to get it. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to get that special sauce, that attunement. So mm -hmm. why bother trying? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then a secure attachment would look mommy, like— Mommy, mommy, yeah. I had such a great day at school. Oh, yeah, honey, that's awesome. Everybody's got the emotional energy. Kid knows that—I um, shouldn't say mommy and daddy. It could be anybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they know that their primary caregiver has that emotional capacity mm -hmm. for them. Yep, yeah. So then what attachment styles are you typically working with? What do you see—and and do yeah. you, like, kind of—do you typically— how, do like an attachment inventory with kids. I know that there's an adult mm -hmm. at attachment mm -hmm. inventory, but what does that look like when you're working with kids? Oh, I am so excited that I get a chance to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping for this. Okay. okay. So I am in the process of being trained for something called Theraplay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And actually they have um, this parent-child assessment called the MIM. Okay. Um, please don't ask me to say the full name because it's a mouthful. I've never heard of this, so this is great. Yeah, so it's the first step in TheraPlay. And the thing is, is that it's not too scientific. You mm -hmm. know, we—well, actually, it is scientific in the sense that it's qualitative data. Okay. But there's no, you know, scales mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's really—it's kind of creepy, actually. Um, I've got a baby monitor mm -hmm. set up in the room, mm -hmm. and there's a series of tasks. And I observe the parent and the child completing these tasks together. Okay. And it shows a lot about— what's going on. So mm -hmm. these are some little things to look for. You know, how close are the parent and child sitting next to each other? How how comfortable are they with touch? You know, can the child take direction from the parent? Is the child trying to control everything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, can they have fun together? Mm -hmm. Is there that joy? Or is it just a rote going through the motions. Mm -hmm. How critical is the parent? How critical is the child? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. So then do you, what do you do with that information once you have it? I take notes, mm-hmm. lots and lots of notes as I'm spying on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are aware there's a camera mm-hmm. in, in, in the room. And then the next session, there's a parent feedback session where we sit down and I say a lot of happy things like, oh, I saw this great moment. I saw that great moment. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? What stuck out to you? And then I give some some feedback. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it's usually things the parent already knows. Mm, like what? Um, yeah, I was a little bit critical there. Mm. You know, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I, I saw my kid trying to take con- control there. We mm-hmm. see that a lot at home. I wasn't really sure how to respond mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So then do you create goals based on this or what do you what do you do with the information? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then there's different activities depending on um what, you know, part of the parent-child relationship needs to be addressed. Okay. Yeah. So then when you're creating these goals, when you're moving forward with treatment, do you work mostly with the child individually or do you is the is the parent typically in session with you too? Yeah, I think it really depends on where the family is at, you know, mm-hmm. how much tension there is mm-hmm. in the room. Will you tell a parent, like, your child, I'm noticing a disorganized attachment style? I don't use those words. Okay, that's what I was wondering, like, yeah. how in the weeds you get. Or No, I, yeah. I don't get too in, in the weeds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more things like... I'm trying to think of an example. This is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. You're doing um, great. This oh, is great. thank you. Um, I'm trying to think. I'll focus more on their individual situation mm-hmm. and examples mm-hmm. from the session that I observed. Sure. Um, because as soon as you say attachment, everybody. I mean, I mean, it's all over, all well, over the media. People get yeah. like. Well, I, I think I think even therapists, I think we can yeah. like take a step back and For be sure. like therapists even really disagree on, you know, these different attachment styles, like these different, whether or not mm-hmm. we should have these attachment styles, what this looks like and, mm-hmm. and whether or not your attachment style can change over time. Yeah. And so I think even, I mean, we can call that out even yeah. like for therapists, it can be difficult to really dive into some of that information too. And there's some controversy, mm-hmm. controversy with attachment styles in general, but I can see how that could be helpful in creating goals and and figuring out a plan and moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So then do you typically, when I think of attachment, I think mostly of like kids who were adopted Mm -hmm. or kids who were in the foster care system or kids who have like gone through some sort of trauma. But Mm -hmm. do you, do you tell me about why it's important for families, like biological families, to kind of know about this or maybe do some attachment work? Because things in families go wrong. And, you know, when we think about trauma, there's this idea that trauma is this big bad thing that happens to you. But really, the the secret is, is it's about how the person processes it, processes the event. So something doesn't necessarily need to be traumatic, Mm -hmm. like a car crash or 
um, a death Mm -hmm. to cause stress within a family. I mean, even a new sibling or conflict between siblings Mm -hmm. can cause disruptions in the relationship between parent and child. So basically, the message I'm trying to get out is it can happen to anyone. Yeah, yeah. It's about that relationship and the disruptions that can happen in that relationship. Yes, and the most important thing is repair. Mm -hmm. How do you repair the relationship? Mm -hmm. You know, I know you had Kelly Piper Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. last week, and I just want to say I think she is a phenomenal therapist. I love her. Watch her segment. She's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things she said to me in supervision the other day, which I found really interesting, was that there's no relationship without disruption and repair. Mm -hmm. That's what brings people closer. Mm -hmm. And you could say that for a therapist and a client. You could say that for friends, but you could most definitely also say that for children and families. Well, and even I think of, of like my marriage. I mean, if I yes. never if I yes. never fought with my partner, if I never had right. any disagreements, right. then you would you wouldn't have the opportunity for repair. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know, I had this whole little shtick that I was going to come on here with, and I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that we see children not as full people sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That happens. And I think that we forget um, that they're in need of the same consideration of their emotions Mm -hmm. the same way you would your spouse Mm -hmm. or your partner. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Date your kids. Sorry. No, I love (laughs) that. I wanted to throw that in. What does that mean? It means getting to know them as people mm-hmm. and building those joyful shared experiences. Mm-hmm. That's the word I throw out a lot in session um, with parents and kids. I want you to enjoy your kid. Mm-hmm. I want your kid to enjoy you. Mm-hmm. I want you to laugh. I want you to feel safe together. I want you to walk out of here with those feel-good chemicals bursting in your brain Mm -hmm. because that's going to make it easier when little Timmy has a meltdown later about doing their homework. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. I was my, I have a two-year-old at home and she has been struggling with bedtime recently. And I have, I was just talking to my mom recently about how I was like, Sometimes when she when it's like 10 p.m. at night and she mm-hmm. should have gone to bed two hours ago and instead mm-hmm. she's like bouncing off the walls, I have to pull from like this inner strength inside of me that's like, mm-hmm. well, number one, I have to think about how like I did this as a kid and my mom was patient with me. And then I also, yes. yep, and I'm like, that helps me be a little bit better with my daughter because I'm like, somehow my mom got through this and that was important. And then I also think about how like, um, this is an opportunity for me to be here and connect with her and not just get really angry because she wants to go to sleep too. She's not, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but she's not doing this to get on my nerves. Right. Right. Exactly. But you, sometimes yes. you have to like pull from that inner strength and yeah. that like inner, that you have to lean on the good times in your relationship. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And imagine being a parent that mm-hmm. didn't have that, that yeah. didn't have a mom mm-hmm. or a caregiver that was able to get through mm-hmm. that bedtime. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you pull from as yeah. a parent if right. you don't have that within yourself? Yeah. 
Shout out to my mom. <laughs> but for real. Um, Shout out to M- Miranda's mom. Exactly. Thank you for your service. We're here partially because of you today. I, for real. Like, little me was in, had insomnia like crazy. Oh, no. And so I'm like, <laughs> payback, right? Yep. Um, oh, man. But yeah, I think that's really important to be able to draw on those good times. Have times where you're really enjoying your kid because there's going to be times when you're like, I cannot stand this little thing and I just need it. Like, I, right. Yeah. Nope. I get it. Yeah. So then, Let's dive into a little more about what attachment therapy is, what what this looks like. Mm-hmm. If I was somebody who wanted to like specialize in this, mm-hmm. what skills, trainings, like stuff would you recommend I learn? Okay. Let's first talk about what you wouldn't learn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. You would stay away when thinking about this from the cognitive therapies, you would be very much thinking about what's going on in these kids' bodies, mm-hmm. what's going on in those children's bodies. That's what you want to be thinking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is not a cognitive process. Mm-hmm. This is an um, this is a a body response. What do you mean by that? Like not a cognitive process? I mean that. Um, oh my God, it's we're not diving we into can, like, think about. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Because mm-hmm. I was about to go on a whole other tangent, and thank you for like reining me in there because I need that sometimes. <laughs> so I appreciate well, it. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. so it's something that's maybe felt or, um, but not. It's not something that we can really rationalize. Or mm-hmm. is that kind of what you mean? Exactly. Okay. It's not rational. You can't think your way into it, Mm -hmm. and you can't think your way out of Mm it. What you are focusing on is how you're feeling, how the parent's feeling, Mm -hmm. and how the kid's feeling. It's less about content and more about that sense, those Mm nonverbals in the room. So you want to learn about somatic experiencing. Mm -hmm. You want to learn about the fight flight and freeze Mm -hmm. response, you want to learn about um, the families Mm -hmm. and what makes them tick. It's a very personalized approach. It makes sense then that the assessment that you're starting with is qualitative. Yes. And not quantitative because it's not something that you can like put a number to. It's something that's felt and like noticed. Exactly. Uh And that's such a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Because we can't measure it. (laughs) People have tried, Mm -hmm. but there's no scale that's going to tell you how attached a kiddo is. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm sure people have tried. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Learn how to tap in to the joyful side of you. How do you bring that joy into session? Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is by monitoring your own emotional experiences. How are you creating that emotional space within yourself so you can bring that into session Mm -hmm. and model it for the parent? I think, uh, tell me if if you feel like this is on base or not, but when I work with kids, sometimes I will have an idea of what our session should be like, or like, I want to probably... you know, like address this topic in session today, or maybe I'm going to do this worksheet, or maybe I'm going to have this book or something. And sometimes I'm thinking of a particular client that I'm working with. Sometimes she comes to session, she's six years old, and 
I just have to throw that out the window and be like, this isn't this isn't the right time. Like, sure, I could try to be working through this book right now, but it seems like right now we just need to be doing origami or something. Right. And so it is a little bit more of like being able to, you know, cast aside that type A part of me and being like, mm-hmm. no, we're just going to kind of let her lead and and see mm-hmm. what this looks like. Is that kind of what you're meaning? Exactly. Yes. It's all about being flexible and responsive to what the child is bringing into the room because that's what you're modeling for the parent. Mm -hmm. How do I respond to my kid's cues? So absolutely, um, it's about meeting the child where they're at. But I want to be clear, TheraPlay is partially about, and other attachment therapies, Mm -hmm. are about allowing the child, um, excuse me, encouraging the child and working towards them being able to let go of control Mm -hmm. so that they can do that worksheet, right? Mm -hmm. So they can complete that exercise. But if they don't have a basic trust Mm -hmm. in the person leading it, you know, aka their parents, you're not going to get very far. Mm -hmm. So it's about slowly that child giving that parent back that control, Mm -hmm. So what do some interventions look like in in like attachment-based therapy or attachment therapy? Oh my God, it's going to sound so silly. It's going to be like, Ellie's going to be like, what are we paying you for? <laughs> what are <laughs> no, you I doing? Love it. This is good. Oh my goodness. Um, some of my favorites, uh, I think we were talking about this before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most fun one, because I love having fun, I'm a very playful person, are encouraging safe touch. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that I do that is I'll put down like um, a tarp in my office and I'll bring in a bunch of shaving cream. (laughs) And one of the assignments that I'm telling parents and kids is I want you to make Santa Claus beards on each other's faces. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I want you to allow your parent to wipe it off. Okay. And I know this sounds like such a silly thing, right? Like I clean my kid every day, Mm -hmm. duh. But if you think about it, for a kid that doesn't feel safe, Mm -hmm. allowing their parent to wipe them off Mm -hmm. is a pretty big deal. Mm. Um, And also just that, again, that shared joy, Mm -hmm. that safe touch. The silliness. The silliness, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, It incorporates all of those um, pieces. Mm -hmm. That are so, so important. would that be an intervention that you're doing more with like a kid that is has gone through like some sort of abuse or trauma or and like maybe is fearful of the parent or is that more of something that like you're just trying to build I guess I'm just wondering who would be a good fit for that sort of intervention um really anybody that is struggling with building a relationship with their parents. So mm-hmm. any kind of disruption. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be a kid that's been through trauma with a capital T. Mm-hmm. It can be just a parent-child relationship that's maybe gotten a little bit off track. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody's always talking about, I want to spend more time time with my kids. It's so important to be intentional mm-hmm. with my kids. But what if you had that space and a therapist in the room <laughs> to guide you mm-hmm. to get those most important parts out of it? Oh, funny. No, that's such a—I'm just imagining that. And have do I'm sure parents are like, well, you want me to do what? And um, that's true. <laughs> I, I sell it. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you do. I sell it. Oh, yeah. I bring in the research. Uh Uh-huh. I've got videos, and I warn them. I'm like, look, this is going to sound crazy. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But nothing else has worked, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. Okay, that's that's a great example. What else? What are some other interventions that you like to do with parents and kids? Um, Sometimes, you know, for that control one, it will be parents leading an activity Mm -hmm. that the kid finds fun, but the parent sets the rules. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, like, mm -hmm. what would that look like? Um, Let me see. There's a, a... a bubble popping game I really like. So the parent stands in the room. The kid is a couple feet away. The parent says, okay, kiddo, I'm going to blow these bubbles, and I want you to pop all of these bubbles with your pinky. Let's see how many bubbles Mm -hmm. you can pop. Mm -hmm. Kid listens and says, okay, you know, and then kid does it. They get 10 bubbles. Parents are like, oh, my God, that's (laughs) awesome, and there's that shared joy. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it, if kid can listen to that basic thing, mm-hmm. maybe down the line it'll be easier when mm. it's not such a basic request. So I I like that both of these interventions are also just kind of silly and fun. And because I think that, that we forget mm-hmm. how important that is to just the foundation of attachment, of just having fun with your kid, being silly, mm-hmm. doing something that you know, like makes you both laugh and, you know, like just how important that is. Play is the work Mm -hmm. of children. Mm -hmm. And you're so right. We forget about that. Mm -hmm. Um, No, that makes sense. Why is safe touch so important? Like both of, so two of the different interventions that you mentioned have Mm -hmm. to do with like trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, like practice Mm -hmm. comfortable touch with a parent. Why is that important? Because it helps kids to, regulate their internal um, systems. Hmm. So their their nervous systems. Mm-hmm. That's why. Why is it important for a parent to help a child regulate their nervous system? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's because it, I explain that. It creates that sense of calm and mm-hmm. that sense of trust. Mm-hmm. I can go to my parent and they will help me. Mm-hmm. I will feel safe here. I will feel calm here. I can be my best self here. And you can see pretty quickly how like children, they're still learning how to regulate their emotions. They're still Mm -hmm. learning how to calm their nervous systems. Mm -hmm. And for when they're really little, I mean, Mm -hmm. when they're babies, the parent is doing all of the regulation, really. They're like Mm -hmm. there for them. They're... They're meeting mm-hmm. their needs, helping them regulate. And then as they get older, the child mm-hmm. is, you know, starting to learn some of that regulation, but the parent still needs to model it and also help mm-hmm. regulate and touches it is a really important way of doing that. Right. And I think that um, it all it's, it goes beyond touch. I think I've, t- I've talked a lot about touch, and so mm-hmm. maybe we should yeah. move a little bit beyond that. I think it's also about making the kid feel heard mm-hmm. Yeah, and challenged. That's the other one. Like, my parent respects me. Mm-hmm. My parent cares about what I have to say. Mm-hmm. My parent wants to join me. Yeah. That's another another really important piece. Hmm. What, like, how would you, how would you help a parent and child practice that or learn, like, how do, how do you help a parent 
in that scenario of like learning to listen to their child in that way? Um, I think the first thing, I know this is going to sound really basic, but remembering that their kid, when when they're coming into a session, Mm -hmm. has a perspective too, and it's valid. So for, okay, for example, Mm -hmm. I'll be doing an intake, right? And I'll have a parent and a kid in the room. And I'll, I'll say, you know, how can I help today? Mm -hmm. And the parent will immediately jump in and the, and the kid is sitting right there. Mm-hmm. They're sitting right next to them. And they're like, okay, little Johnny is so rude at home. He's so this at home. Mm-hmm. And the kid's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's it's like they're not even in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure we've all oh, yeah. seen this as therapists. And so one of the ways that I'll help kind of nudge the parent mm-hmm. towards remembering that their kid has their own thoughts and feelings and perspectives mm-hmm. is by saying, hey, Johnny, how does it feel to hear your mom talk about that? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you feeling inside? Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And then do you typically ask the child, like, almost for their side of things or, like, what what that's like for them? I will usually ask, do you think that these are problems too? Sure. Okay. That's a, that's a good way of asking that. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to get into the weeds of like, well, mom took my cell phone yeah. because of, I didn't really do this thing. Because again, then it becomes about content mm-hmm. rather than felt safety. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really uh-huh. good. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you. So you mentioned cell phones. This immediately made me think of like teenagers. What 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 does attachment therapy look like with parents and teenagers? Are you doing the shaving cream thing with them? I've done it with kids as old as nine or ten. Okay. But teenagers are a little bit of a different ball game. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because that individuation has either is taking place or has taken place. They're separating from their parents. More. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. They have their own world. And frankly, they're more of their own person. Mm-hmm. They're less of an extension of their family and more a separate individual. Yeah. And so that looks more like traditional therapy. Mm. So like with the parent in the room, like family therapy or specifically just with the kid, the teen? So the way that I typically do family therapy with high conflict families, and usually if there are attachment disruptions with older kids, they're not minor. Mm. It's something that's been going on for a while, and maybe there are entrenched family dynamics that need to be addressed. Um, and let's just clarify what I mean when I say teen. Mm. I'm talking about like f- 13 or 14 on. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So for those families, Initially, I'm usually seeing everyone separately. Okay. So I've got kiddo and I alone in the room. I've got mom and I alone in the room. Um, Maybe mom and dad. Sometimes I include siblings if they're a big part of the dysfunctional dynamic. Sometimes not. Um, And really building up that strong relationship with me Mm -hmm. and making sure that they get a chance to feel heard and feel validated and are prepped with with some skills so that when they come back into the room and we're having more of a direct conversation about what's going wrong at home, everybody is more able to hear each other because they trust me mm. to guide them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So then when you say it looks like more traditional talk therapy with teenagers, what what sort of, I don't know, like, conversations are you having with teens about attachment? What sort of, like, how do you 
move them from maybe more of a disorganized attachment style or like one of the bad attachment styles. Yeah, I put yeah. I put that in quotations. Absolutely. Um, yeah. To trusting their parents and are building that secure attachment? I think for for teens, it's really about feeling heard. Mm. You know, you hear the old trope with teens, nobody understands (laughs) me, but they really feel Mm -hmm. that way. And so a lot of it is just finding a way to help parents say what their kid needs to hear. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, going back to like different attachment therapies and and things like that, but um, and interventions. So when when I was first out of undergrad, I worked as an adoption social worker, and I remember working with a family who was seeing an adoption specific therapist, and this therapist was like having the family do some weird things, and I'm just interested in like. Like, is this still a thing and why is is this a thing? I'm just out of curiosity. What kind of weird thing? So like they would they would do this thing. This was probably like a nine-year-old girl, okay? Mm-hmm. And they would like swaddle her or they would like feed her from a bottle or they would, you know, like almost they would infantilize her as a way of almost like going back in time and mending some of that broken attachment. And Granted, this was an adoptive family, so um, mm-hmm. things were a little bit different than than they would have been if it was a biological family. But mm-hmm. I'm like, have you ever heard of attachment interventions like that? Oh yes, and it's a part of um, the the attachment therapy that I was talking about before. Okay, theraplay. Okay, um, that's something that freaks a lot of parents and kids yeah. out. It does, but I'm gonna give you kind of a behind-the-scenes look at mm-hmm. why that's important. Okay, yes. Um, so this is a pitch, just in case <laughs> anybody's wondering. Um, so my belief mm-hmm. about child development is that there are certain experiences that children need to have um, in order to move to the next emotional developmental mm-hmm. phase. Okay. One of those is being infantilized. Hmm. You know, getting that unconditional care. Um, you know, being fed, mm-hmm. being swaddled, being, I don't, there's really not another word for it. Mm-hmm. Like love. Babied. Babied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, babied. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if they don't get that, mm-hmm. they're going to be seeking it in all the wrong ways mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up adoption or actually really important because a lot of those kiddos didn't get those experiences right. early on. Mm-hmm. So when, when the therapists are doing that, they're making sure that the kids are getting a dose of that from somewhere. So, do you like? Do you think that it can be helpful then to kind of redo some of those different things? Or, um, I think it's about consent. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's actually something that some therapists miss, and mm. is really, really important when working with kiddos, even like, babies. Like if the child doesn't want to do that, exactly. Yeah. If they don't want to be fed, mm-hmm. if they don't want to be swaddled, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be forcing. And I think that's where anyone. some of like the controversy with some of these different things can possibly come into play where it's like if mm-hmm. if parents are forcing a child to do these different things, that's yeah. not that's maybe gonna harm the relationship further. I would say so. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So okay, we talked about what is attachment, why is this important, some different interventions. Mm-hmm. What else do you feel like new therapists should know about 
attachment or or what they can be recommending to parents that are maybe struggling with attaching to their child? I am going to sound like such a broken record, but play, 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 Mm -hmm. find joy, find connection, Mm -hmm. even if it's just a little thing. Um, So let's say you have a kid that is obsessed with something. You know, all they want to do is talk about, I don't know, Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels, exactly. (laughs) Hot Wheels all day, every day. And you as a parent are like, oh my God, I am Mm -hmm. so sick Mm -hmm. of hearing about these darn Hot Wheels. Mm -hmm. Find it in your heart, in your soul, Mm -hmm. to play with those darn Hot Wheels, knowing that in 20 years from now, your child will thank you. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Because they get to experience that joy Mm -hmm. of, oh, my parent cares about what I care about. My parent delights in me. Mm -hmm. I love it. No, those are, that's so important and so helpful. What about with, um, do you have any advice for people who, like common advice you give to parents um, beyond play about like, I don't know, they, like, what if they don't know how to play with their child or what if they, Mm -hmm. um, get frustrated easily with their child or they don't actually enjoy their child or their child has a lot of really big behaviors or, you know, like just, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about some of the things that my families often Mm -hmm. struggle with, Mm -hmm. um, particularly if they don't have like those really, you know, joyful, good things to dig, to pull on. Mm -hmm. What sort of advice would you give to parents in that position? Go to therapy. (laughs) You're laughing, but I'm mm-hmm. serious. Mm-hmm. The the ability to play with your kid and be cuz cuz really what, what what we're talking about here, it's not about Hot Wheels, right? Mm-hmm. It's about having that emotionally emotional uh, emotional capacity to connect. Yes. So finding yeah. that within yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't play, you know, like a play therapist can, mm-hmm. um you can be f- learn how to be present. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I always tell parents um, in terms of high conflict, I think it's really important that you bring that up. So thank you. Um, Nobody should be talking about anything serious or um, trying to solve anything or do any attachment work if people are not calm Mm. and regulated. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm always tell, telling parents, take a break, walk away. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So like if you're if the parent is, is having a lot of conflict with the child, then taking a break and then coming back and playing later when things are a little bit more calm, that makes sense. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Any other advice that you feel like you would have for new therapists that are maybe working with kiddos that seem to have disrupted attachment? It's really hard work. It requires a lot of yourself as the clinician. It's draining. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you're taking care of yourself out of outside of these sessions. This is some of the hardest work that a therapist can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some things in session that would really break your heart. Mm-hmm. And it is so hard to be present with families that are experiencing all this pain, all this struggle, and don't know how to love each other. It's very, very hard to witness. 
Um, okay. I wanted to pull some some recommendations together of books that I think are really helpful for um, for kids on this topic. And so I'm going to pull them up. And I know that we're going to have Gina Young on an episode soon, and she and I are going to talk about Attached, which— yes. Right here. Yes. And, um, and in case, um, for those of you who aren't listening or who aren't um, watching, uh, Miranda just picked up a yes. book with a white cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put the link in the description to all of these books because I think that this is really helpful. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to say, like, as a therapist, um, some kids' books that I really love on this topic are mm. The Invisible String. Yes. So good. Love it. I think that one that one's a kids book that is really mm-hmm. helpful for kids that have separation anxiety yeah. or, you know, are going through attachment struggles or, you know, maybe they um have have had a loss or it, it's just it's applicable for so many people. Oh wait, you just tripped my memory. Thank yeah. you so much. There's a book called I Was Scared Ooh. that I absolutely love that explains the different trauma symptoms using animals. I love it. I've never even heard of this. It's book. amazing. Oh, I love this. It, okay, this is great. It took a lot of Googling. I'm so sorry. I don't have the author. No, I'll off. put a link in the description. So this yeah. is great. I was scared. Yeah. Um, some other books that I recommend, The Kissing Hand. That one was one that my mom always read to me when I had some separation anxiety. So I love that one. Um, the Family Book, which is mostly mm-hmm. about adoption, who's in my family, mm-hmm. um, and then also We Belong Together. Yeah, Those are some of my favorite books on this topic, mm-hmm. specifically for kids. And so mm-hmm. I always, I love, I love giving kids book recommendations because you're right. Parents don't always read these books. I mean, I'm a parent. I don't have time to read like half the time. I gave mm-hmm. myself a, I used to have like goals for how many books I would read on Goodreads every year. And mm-hmm. it's sad. I'm like, I don't know if I'm even halfway through my goals this year. Probably not, but That's it's okay. okay. <laughs> I read a lot of kids books. That's what matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think I like to give kids book recommendations because I think there's so much that parents can learn from these little kids books, but kids mm-hmm. also retain this stuff. And so yeah. it can be a good conversation starter or a good way to... um kind of re, what's the word I'm looking for, just to kind of dive into some of these harder topics. But Yeah, and when you're reading to your kid, you're sitting close together. Yes. It's a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of parents can turn to, especially those that don't know how to play. Hmm. That's a really great way to start. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining and sharing so much of your knowledge and <laughs> thank you. So many great interventions. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for joining this week and we'll see you next week. Signing off. <laughs>